Welcome to Belt the Loader, the officially unofficial podcast for the expanse on sci-fi. I'm Jim. Uh, for now, I'm Aaron. Uh, we are talking about season three, episode seven, titled Delta V. Uh, do you want to start talking about what we thought about the episode, or should yeah. we address my my intro? <laughs> No, let's, let's 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 talk about the episode like we always okay. do, and then we'll talk about like the latest news on the expanse. What do uh, you think? I uh, I was really actively hostile to this episode for about the first twenty minutes because Whoa, I'm why? like, you're gonna fucking yada yada through <laughs> the discovery of the ring, the breakup of the crew, of the Rasanati, Ava Sarala's uh, uh, climb to the top, like. I don't like any of this shit. I don't like any of this shit. This is fast forwarding through a bunch of stuff that I want to see, and then halfway through the episode, I'm like, okay, fine. Uh, well, and this I is... guess because they started filling, they started mm-hmm. backing up and kind of giving us enough information, and I guess the yeah. stuff that the yada yada in through is probably boring. It does kind of like stretch my kind of credibility that it would take what 180 some days to get some kind of first mission through the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess I thought with the Epstein drive they could get the Uranus faster than that. Is this a political problem and not a like seriously? No one's tried to fly through this ring before the gravity slingshot guy. They, they, they have. Uh, I don't want to say too much. Okay, so this is the dividing line between book two and book three. Okay, like the yada this, yada here is yeah. the stuff that they leave out because they've gone to another book. Uh, um, because the, so so the book ends with the squid leaving. I can't Venus. I can't remember if there's actually a squid, but it it ends with the formation of the ring. Okay, and then book three picks up later on, like we do in the show. Do they catch you up in what happened, or is that just kind of because I've heard that that's I've heard people discuss the Expanse books, and it does seem like in between each book is is some sort 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 of uh, you know indeterminate amount of time well probably determined amount of time where yeah, the yeah. rossi has been hunting pirates in the asteroid belt or mm-hmm. like you know doing just some taking commissions right yeah right and they're and and they just skipped abruptly to the next thing that happens yeah so uh, i mean that's kind of why it feels weird is because there's a gap there for the books but like i think that's the first time it's think... happened on this show right that we've had like a huge time skip forward uh, this big, yeah, 187 days is a while, right? And so much happened, like to uh-huh. people I care about, and... And, and that's the thing. Like, I wish they had given some sort of closure to the Prax thing with the crew. That's what I'm because saying. Because Prax is just fucking gone now. Prax apparently. is gone. Bobby's gone. We see. We Bobby we... still has some communication, but we right. don't see anything of Prax this right. episode. We and hear I'm like, about him, but he got his daughter, and then he just peaced out. Said thanks for the help, guys. I'm gone. <laughs> I mean, it does seem like there's more to it than that, and maybe we'll find out. Maybe Prax will come back. I don't know, but I was like, yeah, that's that's my core complaint. I was not that the episode is bad, yeah, just yeah. like I felt very lost and emotionally raw that all these people have been scattered <laughs> hither and yon throughout the solar system, and I'm just getting breadcrumbs about them. No, it is a weird thing to do in the middle of a season, and that's just a symptom of them doing like cutting season two into the first half of book two yeah and so now they're hitting you know the the gap in the middle of the season i I kind of feel like if it had been opening of the season i still would have been just as outraged because like you know Hmm. half of the rossinati crew thus far have been detached from the ship and and also they started with the the slingshot pilot which i'm like Mm -hmm. i don't know about uh, some of these outsides belt their personalities. 
Let's put it that way. <laughs> you didn't like his green. Like it's, it, took me while, it's, it took me a while to warm up to to Miller and his crazy hair and fedoras bull, bullshit. Um, you know, I'm kind of joking, <laughs> but he does seem like a bit of a tool. Oh sure, I mean he's meant to be like a punk. You and know? then he, he like, gets he gets turned into fucking chunky salsa at the end Jesus, and pretty glorious. Yeah, and that's that like I when I first saw that I was just like Jesus Christ! <laughs> Je-. I mean I expected something to happen, but uh-huh. not that. Um, so yeah, I guess it's uh, it, it's it's a, an episode of the Expanse that really caught me off balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the end of the f- the end of the episode, I was digging it because hey, we got Miller back. Speaking yes, of yes, my of favorite character is back. Weird haired douchebags. Um, I was and, wondering if they were going to do that. I'm glad they did. And and uh, the second time I watched, it, I really enjoyed it because there's a lot of really cool things here. Like you know, the Belters trying to stand up and like the culture rifts between that and mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I was kind of worried that every, like, when also it seemed like that the solar system just quickly, like, Aaron Wright's arrested as a traitor, Secretary General got shit canned, uh, Mars and Earth are working together with the belt, everything's kumbaya, there's not going to be any more political intrigue, it's going to be, you know, fucking <laughs> the solar system versus the interloper, and nope, yeah. nope, that's certainly not going to happen, so, seems, feels, feels like the same old expanse. Got, got yeah. a lot of, uh, Amos backstory. What, what did you think as a, as a person that knew this was all coming, I guess? I, I liked it. It honestly regrounded me in the stuff that I know from the books, which mm. is good in my mind. Um, and, and I, it's hard to say, like, was this just a good episode of The Expanse on its own, right. like the last few were, because I, I know what they're doing here. But, right. um, yeah, I, I thought I was entertained the whole time. And and I was certainly, like, looking at things and going, oh, okay, yeah, I know where they're going. This will be fun. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. Okay. Um, do we... Okay, so let's talk about Expanse News. Yeah. Um... What a week! What a week! The serve the the save the expanse uh, uh, signature campaign crested over a hundred and forty thousand yesterday. I haven't even checked it mm. today. It, could, it probably is clocked over that. Tons of celebrities have signed on to the the petition, including you know obviously Adam Savage, uh, Will Wheaton, to name just a few. Um, that George was at, Martin. George Martin. Uh, yeah, George Martin took uh, took took to his uh, you know to do some other non Game of Thrones writing on his blog <laughs> to stump for the Expanse. Uh, I yeah, think he I, should volunteer to write for this show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I didn't know this, but I guess one of the authors. I'm not sure which one. If it's is it it's Ty and who? Da- uh, Daniel. Daniel. One of them, I guess, was an assistant to uh yeah. george martin uh-huh. i did not know that so that's kind of cool there's a neat pedigree there yeah uh, i hope i hope uh they're a little bit more stick to it or less less writing themselves into i mean they're cranking they're cranking books out okay cool, cool there's no worry there plus I, you know i imagine that like having another author makes it easier because you can mm-hmm. like there's another brain helping you through conflicts and untying knots and stuff like and that just the motivation too like yeah, yeah, yeah when you're like ah i got sold the tv show right, and right, i got right. a successful series right. and other stories to tell yeah the guy can jump in jesus and say, christ no, we we, we, we've got a digression inside of the digression here uh someone raised four thousand dollars as a stunt to launch the the model of the rasanati that we were talking about last week in space did you see that hmm yeah, apparently for like four thousand like bucks, you can you can you can you can put a, any particular payload in orbit and get out of here. They're going to do that. Yeah, 
it's just some guy with a trebuchet in his yard. <laughs> it, it's yeah. It's, it says this thing's going all the way to space. Right. I don't think it's going to be in like geo. Like, it's certainly going to be in geosynchronous or it's it's going to be like uh, a low Earth orbit that eventually decays and burns up. But it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's kind of cool. And you know, maybe it'll be still orbiting when these Rossinatis are worth thirty thousand dollars, and somebody <laughs> will go up there and you know and and get it. Uh, yeah. Uh, but and then yesterday, in the most exciting news, s- someone had posted that Amazon had agreed to pick up the series for season four, and everybody was like hallelujahing. And then there was like an hour later, some a bucket of cold water thrown on it by saying the talks are still ongoing. But well, yeah, it was the title of the the. The fucking headline of this article was The Expanse is Saved! Right. 500 exclamation marks. Right. And then in the text of the article, they say they're in talks to to pick it up. Right. I'm like, fuck you guys. So I just don't know how excited to get about that. Because again, mm-hmm. like I said last week, I think its best hope is for sci-fi to just renew it. Because like, there is nothing that needs to be done. They just need to say, yeah, let's, let's keep doing it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, on the other hand, am I excited the i uh, for the idea that like Amazon could pick it up and stream everywhere simultaneously and maybe provide it more budget and maybe I've heard that Jeff Bezos is a personal fan of the Expanse and he's also mm-hmm. obviously a, a, a fan of space flight. He's spending hundreds of millions of dollars going through the world's oceans and reclaiming old, uh, you know, Apollo era rockets and he's making his own copper rocket that's you know <laughs> trying to trying to compete with uh, uh, the Mr. Tesla Elon Musk um, I think it's a natural fit uh, but it worries me that the talks are still happening now it shouldn't because any kind of acquisition like this would take a long time to figure out uh, to where they can like you know come to an official announcement what is your mm-hmm. I guess what's your What's your feelings on the matter? Like, do you think it's a done deal? Do you think it's going to happen? My gut feeling is yes. I think the campaign was strong enough. I think it would put it is Amazon's incredible. streaming platform in a pretty good position um, that it hasn't really been in before. Right. Like, it's never it's never taken on, like, a really popular show. And granted, this isn't the most popular show, but right. a show with a lot of fans who are going to come over to Amazon streaming. A lot of internet cachet. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how Netflix built their their business um, into the next phase. You know, they picked up a lot of shows yeah. and saved them, and the fans came over. So my, my gut feeling is, yes, they want to do it, and they're just hammering out the deal. I mean, I have yet to see an Amazon original, but if they pick up The Expanse, I fucking guarantee they're going to see yeah. an Amazon original. And then so. if they can advertise you to you correctly, they'll get right. you into their other shows. Right. Right. Um, so I, I guess I'm cautiously optimistic, but it's just, you know, again, until, the you know, uh, I, I, I guess I would hate to see everyone kind of lay off the pressure and, you know, stop talking to your friends about it and stop talking about it on social media and stop, you know, sharing all the stuff um, with the anticipation that Amazon's going to pick it up and then... Mm-hmm. You know, womp womp, they don't. So Seems on like the other they... hand, it's very hard to ex- it's it's very hard to sustain like the kind of momentum that I've seen on the campaign. Yeah, um, it's a good thing that it's happening, I guess, during the season and not like three months afterwards because Absolutely. there's still every week a reason to be excited for the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week is no exception, uh, and there are a lot of people talking about the expanse right now, which right. lends itself to the excitement. Um, I also think like Amazon probably is in the best position financially to do Mm -hmm. it because they already have the streaming rights to the old episodes right so now what happens international i think that's not just america i think that's uh unless uh and and unless i'm misunderstanding it uh that's that's worldwide 
Right. So what happens if this show goes off the air? Have they paid in advance for like the next seasons? Like, did they did they pay for these rights as a chunk? Just because they we're gonna get the whole show. That's a great question. Because like, if Amazon agrees to produce or to pay for the the live broadcast rights, does the streaming rights come with that? I would think that'd be a separate deal. Yeah. I mean, it'd be strange for it like, uh, and would it be considered an Amazon original at that point? Or is it kind of like think so, yeah. syndic- some kind of syndication deal? Well, I imagine they'd probably bundle that up yeah. together at that point. Yeah. I just don't and know. it might be cheaper for Amazon. I just don't know enough about the business. I don't think anybody does. There's nobody an expert on, like, online streaming rights and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, Amazon and Netflix pretty closely hold, like, that information about, like, ratings and whatnot. Um, and yeah. maybe that's another kind of cautionary tale. Like, what if... What if we get season four on Amazon and we don't have the ratings, or a season four on Amazon and we don't have the ratings and the expanse is still struggling, but we don't know it? So, like, a future cancellation right. might take us by surprise. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just like I'm I'm personally invested in seeing this thing get finished, and it I don't. I, but unfortunately, I don't know since the show is so expensive until it becomes like a worldwide phenomenon. And like if it ever if I see. Like, the crew, they're Rossinati on Entertainment Weekly, and, like, the subreddit's got 400,000 people actively subscribed, and there's 10,000 mm-hmm. people anytime. Like, then I'll start to breathe a sigh of relief, and we see merch and video games and all that kinds of shit. But until then, I'm always going to sweat this show because I love it so much. It's super expensive. It's niche mm-hmm. and those are Those are very fragile things in today's entertainment ecosystem, so... Uh, I guess keep up the momentum. Uh, I've, I'm, I mean, I haven't seen anything like this. Um, I've seen some other Save the Show campaigns, but nothing that's got this much support. And that's like, you know, it's like being covered on as breaking news, like on a lot of big sites. It's like completely consumed the Reddit community. Uh, those are all good things. So mm-hmm. excellent job, everybody who is leading these efforts and making the fan trailers and all that stuff. Like you guys are doing. The Lord's, the protomolecules work. <laughs> uh, anything else we want to say before we get to the episode itself? Nope. Uh, before we get to the episode, actually, want to do some housekeeping. Uh, tell everybody, that don't forget that not only are we doing the episode on The Expanse each week, but we're also covering HBO's Westworld right now. Uh, we do two podcasts a week. One immediately after the episode we call it Instant Talk. Uh, the first half is for everybody. The second half is just for club members because they can interact with us through chat and ask us questions and, you know do the things that people do uh and then we also have the full podcast on tuesday uh if you missed it we saw deadpool last week we got a full review of that out on baldmove.com uh and also uh con of thrones is this weekend tickets still available at con of thrones.net uh it's going to be friday through sunday uh we've got a bunch of panels on friday and saturday if you want to come by and see us there's going to be a official meet and greet during the con but we're also having an unofficial meetup this friday at cafe Herrera downtown dallas because the con of thrones is at dallas i should have mentioned that uh so if you want to give us your best martian drawl uh show up there uh at cafe Herrera downtown dallas and uh say hi say hi that's gonna be cool this friday uh but yeah if you want to get tickets to the con go to conofthrones.net uh and also we're we're also 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 we're on twitch tv twitch.tv slash bald move next week something that might be exciting to fans of science fiction we're going to be starting a playthrough of detroit uh become human which I think is, uh, you know, obviously the game's not released. It comes out this Friday, but 
It's uh, like an adventure style game or a story driven game where there's multiple protagonists. One of them is a sentient android, kind of right up our alley. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna start that playthrough Monday at 4 p.m. Uh, and uh, you know that whole thing will be on Twitch, and we'll probably archive it to youtubecom move. All right, housekeeping over. Uh, so Christian is getting her hair and makeup did uh, before she shoes them away to instantly go into a, I guess, system-wide proclamation where she addresses her fellow citizens, saying that their faith has been tested. Uh, which is kind of an earmark to Anna is probably having uh, some some say in the speech writing. She casually announces that uh, Aaron Wright's been arrested and the uh, Secretary General has been ousted. Um, and she says it's time for us to choose a new future that people have fought and died for and to reject uh, the doctrine of vengeance but to choose peace. Uh, and about then they show the protomolecule jellyfish and it's starting to spin a structure around one of its tendrils. Uh, she says that Earth and Mars has to, and the belt has to join as brothers and sisters and face the unknown together uh, as the protomolecule forms a massive ring that the text informs us has achieved stable orbit beyond Uranus. Mm-hmm. I got a massive massive ring that's stabilized. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I'm not going to do no, that. No, please. Uh, all right. So, discuss. Uh, I want the lights that Avasarla has for our studio. I want her fucking jewelry, man. Her jewelry? Like, she's wearing so much cut glass. It's like, mm. it's like uh, I don't know. Uh, all I know is Superman got a hold of that. He learned the entire history of Krypton. He'd have conversations <laughs> with his dad. He'd throw one of them to the Antarctic and make his uh, Fortress of Solitude. It's like crazy how yeah. much how much ice is dripping off this woman i mean do you see it like six seven inch bars it's just all arrayed no. I, i've i've gone jewelry blind when it comes Have to avasarla because she just she does that all the time it's crazy it's true i don't it's know how much time she spends getting ready in the you morning. know she's been in that racing jumpsuit so long i forgot That's about true, how, yeah. how dolled up she gets and she's been doing high g maneuvers she can't have jewelry on there right 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 uh yeah you wear that stuff it, kill, it fucking kill you yeah um so yeah, uh, that's a lot of information to be dumped, um, and then from there we're introduced to the YK, which is a slingshot racer. Now they don't really explain this to you, but you're given to understand by the context of the series that this is a very small craft that probably does not have a uh, an Epstein drive, but instead uses uh, thrusters to subtly nudge itself around the orbits of the moons of like Jupiter. And it's kind of like a Kessel run, you know, like the the, the fastest and most direct course. You can set records for how long it takes to circumnavigate the system. He's just set a massive record for Jupiter, but is frustrated that his thunder is being stole by the fucking ring. Well, he's 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 shooting the ring. What? So this is what the slingshotters have moved on to now. Mm -hmm. Uh, They they used to like slingshot themselves way out into space and just Mm -hmm. come back um essentially i think using gravity wells and stuff mm-hmm. uh now they're all trying to shoot the ring on the fastest time so like shoot the ring you're talking about the actual superstructure the ring yeah okay yeah. so for these 180 that... days that's what these people have been doing like he's trying to set a new record through the ring i didn't get i mean that might be happening was in the books but in the show it seems like he's trying he sets a record for jupiter then he goes and sets a record for saturn and when he gets stymied again he decides to shoot the ring as a stunt for his girlfriend because all the other hmm. shit, like all the other racers, they're not talking anything about. Interesting. Okay. 
I guess I read those new records as like he was on pace for a new record hmm. through the ring, but I guess that could be wrong. Um, the we get from the uh, we get from the 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 ring broadcast that preempts his I guess Twitch streaming of his his Jupiter record that the UN is putting together a blue panel of religious leaders, intellectuals, and artists. Uh, and then it says a few months later, and this is the time where like my blood started to boil. Uh, he's shredding around the Saturn system, and it's very cool visually. He's going so fast, he gives himself a nosebleed. Uh, but again, there's more news from the ring that he's frustrated that Dawes and Johnson uh, have now announced that the OPA is joining the Earth and Mars on their mission to the ring. He gets a message from his girlfriend at Ceres who says, I'm tired of waiting for you to get home. Your brother understands me. He walks in the background with a totally rocking bod and his skimpy thong. Thong. Jesus gets his heart Christ. broke. Uh, drinks his own urine. Double drinks his own urine. <laughs> <laughs> Accidentally drinks it and then goes, eh, fuck yeah. it. And takes another goal. And, and decides to, like you say, shoot the, shoot the ring uh-huh. as a way to impress his girlfriend. Um the other question I had is, like, how do these guys survive for months at a time in this little coffin-sized ship? Like, do they do do they really re-drink their urine? Like, what do they eat? I mean, that would certainly help reduce the weight of your craft. This guy ends up rocking, like, a six-month-long beard, but his cut is as fresh as ever. It's all recently dyed. Like, what, what, what all? Can he take a shower in this thing? Surely not. Like I just, I just know what it takes to cross a fucking ocean, like in three or four months. Like what all you got to pack for one person, and like even if I say they got like perfect waste reclamation, maybe that's the thing. Like you, 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 you piss and shit in bags, and it like turns it back into its constituent. I don't know. I don't know how exactly the logistics work. Uh, I mean, he's a skinny dude, so like, I don't mm-hmm. think he takes much. But yeah, I was, I, I find myself like really interested in like well, how the slingshot stuff works. Um, so yeah. Uh, now we also get um a picture of the UN fleet approaching the ring. It says it's been 187 days since the ring formed. Uh, the other thing is, I guess we're supposed to understand that the jellyfish deconstructed itself to make this thing. Yeah, it's nowhere. Like, at first I thought it was making this thing and then took off, but I think on second watch it's just reconfigured itself into this. Yeah, I'm not even sure why it goes jellyfish in the first place. Because you can't, you, obviously you can't, you can't jut around the solar system in a ring. Obviously. Yeah, obviously. It's just, uh, it's, just, it's just science, man. Yeah, I, I kind of, I guess I would have expected like a pillar or, or some kind of ball. I don't know why it had to be a jellyfish. I wonder how much it has and, to do with, a, like, that That was kind of the basic plan of the Arborgast. Like, it was kind of like a dome-shaped thing. So, like, since it's reconfiguring mm. it, it kind of used that as a blueprint. That was my Maybe. guess as a person who doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Um, now, the other thing that I, I thought was interesting is, is as you see the UN fleet approaching, you can see some type of shuttle or barge that is going across the ring boundary. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll have a question later on about like what exactly triggers this uh, s- semi-opaque barrier that that shreds uh, uh, this poor um, uh, th- th- this poor guy. Is it Maneo? Maneo, yeah, no. Maneo, uh, as his girlfriend says. Uh, we also find that there's a camera crew embedded aboard the Rasanati, uh, who is trying to do a documentary about the ship and James Holden, who. Seems like he's a real dreamboat. Like all the advertisements uh, for this special, like show him like with his, uh, you know, his overcoat stripped down to his waist, and he's kind of like sitting there making uh, Teen Beat or Tiger Beat puppy eyes at the camera. Uh, 
and uh, I don't know. There's a whole lot of discussion here with the with the the camera crew. What did you make of it? Uh, I I like it. I guess I'm 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 curious. Like what their goal is like what angle are they approaching this from because they're i mean obviously yeah documentary teams want to get dirt Mm -hmm. um they want to get the real story as they would call it but there's always the editing process in the end where the true objective of the documentary comes out i'm curious what it is because a lot of people could have a lot of different opinions on james holden at this point right Right. i mean we we see him referred to as like the hero of the belt hero of the um, belt savior of mars yeah savior of mars like he has done a lot of really good things but you can see that there's also other opinions on him and i don't yeah. know what the documentary crew's opinion is going to be um you know we we learn that, that they use this kind of framework to really catch us up to speed quickly we find out that the crew the documentary crew is is paying for their legal fees because they're in a protracted legal fight with Mars over who actually owns the Rasanati. Uh, and they've agreed to pay their legal fees in exchange for access to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see that Cam- uh, Alex is a bit of a, a camera hound. He really wants to be on camera, and no one's really that interested in him. No, where, he's, he's too thirsty. Where, yeah, where <laughs> Amos uh, does not want to be on camera, and the camera seems to love him. Uh, yep. We also find that they're operating this as an equal one quarter share. Um, I forget what the term was, like uh, was it not commission ship or chartered ship or something or other. Um, but they ask, well, there's only three crew members. What happened to Naomi? Uh, and Holden says he she's on a, a leave of absence, which yeah. leads us to the OPAS Behemoth, mm-hmm. which is which... the former Mormon ship Nauvoo. Yep. Uh, I can't help but think the the first book is called Leviathan Wakes, mm-hmm. and this ship is called the Behemoth. Uh, and I recall from my Bible, my Bible history, that those are the two creatures that God used to uh, like put Job in his place when Job got a little too high and mighty and his suffering. Uh, God came out of uh, a fiery whirlwind and started lecturing him about who created the Behemoth and who created the Leviathan and. And uh, the the behemoth is uh, widely regarded as being a hippopotamus. The leviathan is widely regarded as being a, a, a Nile crocodile. So these are like two giant beasts. Um, but I wonder, like, is that intentional that the Ty and Dan take the imagery intentionally because this is like uh, something that's like an event that's humbling humanity, or is it just uh, sick sounding names? I don't know. It could be that. Um, I, I'll do. I'll, I'll, what do you think about the name of Behemoth for a starship? To me, a Behemoth implies something that's kind of unwieldy and slow and sluggish, and but powerful. I think that describes the Navu. Okay, uh, it's it's meant for a straight line journey, essentially, right? Right. I can't imagine it's very maneuverable. It's certainly not built to be a gunship, which is what it's been turned into. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's an awkward beast. Do you know what the S in OPAS stands for? Is it no. Space Fleet, Starfleet, Ship? Mm-mm. Okay, because I tried to look it up on the uh, wiki, and I quickly became clear I was going to get spoiled, so yeah. I, I backed out. Uh, so, if, yeah, I would if you got feedback, I just... Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm digging, digging into these ship names and finding out stuff about it uh, and, like, what they possibly could be named for and 
I'll be having more of that this 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 uh, later on this episode because we get a lot of ship names. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's approaching the ring as part of the Belters Coalition uh, to explore it, uh, and we see Naomi in Zero G doing her engineering thing. Uh, she sees a drug deal go down in the corridors of the ship, uh, and boy, is she Belter Creoling it up! Yeah, accents in full effect. She now, am I supposed to understand that th- she is trying to be more Belter than thou? Like this is kind of a put on. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering if it's or, an affect or if it's something that she just has settled back into now that she's with her her old mates. Yeah, I'm trying to, and I think that's an open question you're supposed to wonder because people in the show and the universe are wondering it about her. Like, yeah, is the less Belter accent that she wore in the Rasanati kind of like her natural thing, and she was, or or was she trying to hide her Belter accent amongst the inners, and now that she's with her people, she's more free, or is she she really playing up the Belter aspect because she's the chief engineer of their flagship now? Right. I don't know. I don't know. There, there's clearly a political thing going on here about, like, who's captaining the ship, um, right. and who's crewing this ship, and what affiliations they have, right? We see right. that later with, you know, the captain and the other captain, I'll call him. Right. I, for, I don't remember his name, but other captain seems to think it's all Ashford, political. Ashford, I think, is his name. Ashford, got, yes, oh. that's that's right. Uh, so she sees his drug deal go down, and she kind of busts her chops. But, you know, Belters, they're a rough-and-ready bunch, and they, envi- they, they admire their independence and freedom. And he kind of low-key throws shade at her for being... Like, well, maybe the parts of Tyco Station you hang out, they don't do drugs. But down here, we do pixie dust 24-7. Mm-hmm. And she goes, well, I don't want to see it where people are working. And uh, the dealer says, you got no trouble from me, boss man. And that's it. Uh, She's got purple in her hair, too. Naomi? Uh-huh. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Because uh, I was probably distracted by the purpleness of her jumpsuit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the behemoth fires up its engines in the next scene. I thought it was a really cool shot where you can see, like, to give an idea of the acceleration, uh, it kind of, like, fairly leaps away from some of its escort craft. Hmm. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. You also pan over and you can see some hastily erected railgun and PDC batteries and emplacements, mm-hmm. um, which is, is kind of is neat. Uh, it reminds me a lot of, like, what they say about the, the Mon Calamari warships from, like, Star Wars, that they were essentially cru- like pleasure cruisers that were hastily retrofitted with shields and weapons um, because, yeah. yeah, these are just essentially welded on. <laughs> it does not look like it's designed for, for this. Um, we see Drummer uh, walking with Naomi to greet someone that's that just landed, and they're bitching about how Anderson Dawes is taking the credit for all their hard work. Um, but Naomi says that she's got Drummer's back, and we're introduced to Commander Claus Ashford who asked permission to come aboard. Uh, what do you make of this guy? Uh, I've seen him in many, many things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that I know... I, the, the, I'm worried about this guy. The, the the thing that he's probably most famous for is uh, Good Night and Good Luck. Uh, yes. He's okay. David uh, Strathern, I think. Strath, 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 Strathern, I think is how you pronounce it. Hmm. Um, he's been he's a famous character actor. He's been yep. in tons of shit in TV and movies. But like I said, Good Night and Good Luck is probably his, his most famous role. I, I like him. He would not have been my first choice for Ashford. But, uh, huh. I, and I don't know if it's like this, the intense scarring they put on him, but they're really doing, he, he's doing a lot with this character. Yes. And, I think it's mostly good. I think I like it. Also, I got to say that 
uh, not having subtitles with this much Belter Creole is Christ. a challenge. Yeah. I, I did so much fast forward and rewinding <laughs> to try to figure out exactly what these people are saying. Yeah. But again, I find it, it's better when dealing with the Belter Creole to just kind of let kind it of wash go with over flow. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the end of what they, their sentence, you'll get the context. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, but I think it's he's interesting because he's obviously, as you said, very heavily scarred. Uh, he's been through a lot. He's very hard bitten, tough as nails. And I had a lot. I had a an apprehension about him because I, I naturally I like drummer and I like Naomi and here's this interloper. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the episode, I found that like I was really agreeing with a lot that he was putting down. Yeah, he seems to be a calming force on the station in some ways. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Other ways, not so much. He clearly has a past with people. Right. Um, but I think that also brings with it a certain amount of respect. Uh, there's a lot of intimations here about you know uh, that, like because Drummer at one point accuses him of being a, a pirate and he kind mm-hmm. of low key accuses her of being a dark skies terrorist and he comes in sounding like a pirate doesn't he doesn't he, he like first thing he says is yar or something pro- yeah yeah probably <laughs> or a vast <laughs> and then we see uh, kind of a a dick power play by Anderson Dawes he's forced uh, oh, Diogo boy. Harari. Uh, uh-huh. Last scene fucking over Fred Johnson uh, for the scientist, mm-hmm. uh, the protomolecule scientist, Cortazar. Uh, and he is the, he's a lieutenant on board the ship. And he starts taunting Naomi almost right away, saying, hey, Cortazar says hi, before Asher shuts him down hard for disrespecting her and his commanding officer. And he says, you're a lieutenant. You need to start acting like it. And he seems appropriately chastened. Yeah. Um, uh, Diogo's a, a free spirit, we'll call him, though. Yeah. And I don't know what's going to happen face. with Diogo. Uh, he's got, the, they've got matching OPA kind of black uniforms, which uh, uh, Naomi and Drummer, Dr- Drummer kind of make fun of. But he says, I prefer it to the clothes of indentured servitude. Hmm. And yeah, pretty prickly reception here between our command staff. <laughs> uh, not, 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 like, not like any Star Trek I've ever seen. Uh, then we are on board the UNN Thomas Prince, which I looked up. Thomas Prince is an American scholar and historian noted for pioneering the art of scientific history and wrote a series of books describing the history of New England. He set out to chronicle the history of New England from the sixth day of creation to the present day, which was the mid-18th century at the time. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure. So I, I also think this is a research vessel. It's not like a military huh. vessel because the okay. uniforms that they wear remind me of the, like the uniforms of the crew of the Arborgast War. This is the one that Amazon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so like that would all make sense that it's got it bears the name of like a scientist and historian than yeah, like, some th- kind of military or religious or, or political figure. Th- they're essentially just out there to look at and discuss and sort of try and figure out the ring, right? Right. Is my impression of this right? And it's and like they have know, like religious people, they have scientists, it's very much like contact, right? Some yeah, we got some exactly. freaky first contact, so let's get all the religious people to pacify that contingent. Let's get the intellectuals <laughs> who are actually going to act do the uh, work. Let's get the artists so they can inspire and yeah. And also, you know, I, 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 all those perspectives are probably equally valid because you're dealing with an alien civilization who could have all those aspects of, of uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Like who's to say that the proto molecule they they might uh, be all kinds of deists? Maybe they're gods themselves. You want religious people in there to dis- discuss the uh, Anna seems to have landed on her feet after all this debacle. Uh, she's earned her place on the blue ribbon panel with a f- few strings pulled by Avasarala. Almost seems like she is strong armed. 
<laughs> or I made an offer she can't yeah. refuse, which appears to be like full full to the hilt funding, um, not this bullshit that uh, the mm-hmm. secretary, former secretary general is pulling, but full to the hilt funding for her clinic for undocumented. Um, and yeah, she she discusses with I don't know who this guy is, whether he's the captain of the prince. Or he's just a fellow scientist or what. I think he's definitely the intellectual detachment because he kind of blows her shit about being the religious contingent. Yeah. Uh, But she rejoins like, look, I came here on a spaceship, not on the wings of an angel. I understand the difference, which kind of (laughs) mollifies him. And they do a bunch of like a data dump where uh, I don't know that we knew that the protomolecule is discovered inside Phoebe, the moon of Saturn, until this point. I didn't remember it if we did. Hmm. Um, do you want to hear some facts about Phoebe that might be relevant to the show? Okay, sure. Uh, so Phoebe is a, a a regular shaped moon that's 200 miles across, which is borderline size for gravity to be able to compress something into a sphere. Scientists think that one time it was spherical, but has been battered into its present lumpy shape by frequent collisions with other heavenly bodies. Uh, it's also the, distinguished as the first moon to be discovered through photography back in 1899. Hmm. It eluded discovery for such a long time because it's one of the dark, darker uh, objects in the solar system. It's got the reflectivity of like the suit that forms in lamp glass. It's called lamp black. So it's, okay. very, it's very hard yeah. to, to discover. Um, and we know a lot a surprising amount about it because it was one of the first things targeted by the Cassini probe mission back in 2004 so it got a close flyby and we've mapped the entire surface of it and scientists have thus uh, thought that it's actually uh, did not form with Saturn or the rest of the moons but it's actually a captured centaur object from the Jupiter belt yeah which is kind of like Probably the spawn of this idea that Phoebe would be the plant for the yeah, protomolecule. Like, like that's the farthest outside the solar system you can get and still be called a solar system object. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's like something very far and remote and dark that's been captured inside our system, and this thing has been dormant there for God knows how long. Um, but I think that's kind of cool that um, and and a centaur object is called a centaur. I didn't know this either. Because um, it combines the attributes of an asteroid, which is a primary rocky object, and the attributes of a comet, which is a primarily ice object. And scientists mm-hmm. think it's about 50-50 of both. And that's why they call it a centaur, because it's half one thing and half the other. Interesting. So there you go. Uh, and that's, that's the, re- the reason why it's a good protomolecule thing is because it did come from so far, and now it's inside the solar system. And I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this guy's opinion is... This is a piece of technology that an intelligence created, an extremely intelligent intelligence, and we should pray that it is inert. Hmm. It does seem like it is. Like, it's not glowing blue. It's just sitting out there. I don't know why he assumes that it's a thing that an intelligence created. Because someone could look at us and say that must be the case, but he would know better than that. Right. Uh, Why couldn't this thing have evolved independently? Right. Or if you look at, like, the intricate structures of, like, plankton and whatnot, like, nature does all kinds of funky, engineered-looking things all the time. I don't know why this guy is making the assumption that it was created by intelligence. Um, Yeah, your fair point. Anna should have called him on that. She should have, yeah. (laughs) Intelligent design, really, from an intellectual? We literally know nothing of its origins. Why (laughs) would you jump to conclusions? Let's assume it was manufactured uh, by an intelligence. I mean, it's clearly manufactured. But it's it's by the intelligence. But could be by natural processes, right? Yeah. Like you know, uh, uh, a honeybee's hive is constructed, but 
not by an intelligence. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, so that's that. Uh, we're back on Rasanati, and Alex is trying to drum up his latest attempt to get on camera by making stroganoff with fake beef, fake noodles, but real mushrooms. Uh-huh. Um, uh, reporter, the reporter tries to talk to Alex about his family, which doesn't really lead anywhere. We find that he's still on good terms with his boy, and they, you know, talk remotely a lot. Uh, she shifts then to Amos, which this is where I start to lean forward in my seat because uh, it reveals that he got his commission or his um, his apprenticeship through this lottery system. Can you can you explain the backstory in the lottery system? Because this is the first I've really heard of it. No, from a book reader's perspective, I can't. Huh. So apparently. I'm going to make all this shit up from the context. I, I have a feeling... Can you speculate, that, Mr. Data? I have a feeling that it's probably in the the novella, The Churn. Oh, Because really? that deals, I think, with, with Amos' backstory in Baltimore and stuff. Oh, so this isn't like a main sequence of books? There's like digressions? And not that I've and... gotten to yet, no. Interesting. Okay. Uh, oh, you mean like... I'm saying like, yeah, like... So they, they have like a main series of novels, which uh-huh. is planned to be nine, it's seven right now, mm-hmm. and they do a series of novellas, which are kind of scattered through the timeline of the novels. And The Churn is one of the first ones, I think. Maybe the first one. Is there an, like a right recommended the order book. of reading? Like, are you supposed to read them? Like... I, think, I think The Churn is right after the first book. Huh. Between the first and second. But you just decided, like... Uh, I I was just going to mainline the novels ah, and gotcha. then go back and fill in the gaps because I I felt like the novellas really didn't need to be read. Right. They should um, be supplemental informa- information. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm going to try to extrapolate that there is a lottery system to give people living on basic hope that they can actually, you know, it replaces like the American dream. There's some mm-hmm. hope of upward mobility. Like a job lottery kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, Amos... Not like the Hunger Games. <laughs> not like the... Not like the so, and, but, but she finds out that there's no official government records for this Amos character, just a birth certificate and the fact that he registered, uh, he registered a lottery win when he was 15. But she also mentions that in the Baltimore area, there used to be an Amos Burton that was a mob boss. Mm-hmm. And at this point, Amos smashes the camera and tells the reporter to not get so close. Yeah, not not a good idea, Amos. You're giving you're giving things away. Um, at the first time I watched, I was just like, like you know, like really absorbing this information. I thought she was implying that Amos was the crime boss, but now I think she's implying that Amos killed the crime boss mm-hmm. and took his identity and rigged a lottery to get off the to get off world, which. I Could guess that be. jibes with the fact that he had to die to get away. Like, like I, I wonder what his real aim is, and if we'll ever find that out. But, but also, it would jive if he was the mob boss, and he ha- he just switched identities. But he's 15. I don't buy a 15-year-old mob boss. I guess he wouldn't be switching identities if he were right. Amos Burton in both places. <laughs> right. What's the odds? <laughs> no, I'm uh, a different Amos Burton. <laughs> right. Um uh, yeah, re- that sounds right. The reporter then tries to seduce. I just think that like though Amos, I know doesn't seem like he's a mob boss. Yeah, I- I'm with you. That felt a little weird because I thought he was the mob boss. Right. Like I think he wants to be left alone. He probably wants to eat and he wants to fuck and he wants to drink. But I don't think he would like fucking run a city. But he is cold blooded. He is. Like I, I could see that being a valuable quality. But they made him a big into like a big fault. Fo- like like he's more of a follower than a leader mm-hmm. uh, at this point. So that doesn't scream mob boss to me. But yeah. Uh, at any point, at any rate, the reporter uh, tries to seduce him. Uh, but after he gets her all kind of hot and bothered, he leans in, and whispers into his ear that he doesn't shit where he eats, which mm-hmm. pretty glorious, pretty pretty glorious. Um, anything else we want to say about that? Mm, I don't think so. The cameraman threatens Amos that he's gonna have to pay for that camera. I I, I don't think he's gonna make good on that threat. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's just my personal opinion. Uh, Naomi gives a technical briefing to Ashford and Drummer. Uh, she says that she has the missile and PDC batteries functional but untested, and the rail guns are as yet not operational. Um, so hmm. my ears perk up because I in, anytime they tell us something like that, it's got to be for a reason. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm I'm expecting some mis- misfortunes to befall the vessel in the near future. Mildly interesting. Uh. It appears that Ashford approves of the fact that the belt has stolen uh, the behemoth from the Mormons, and Drummer ironically observes, oh, what a surprise, a pirate that supports an act of piracy. (laughs) But he says, no, no, I'm a patriot. This warship is a symbol, the greatest vessel ever built in history, and built by belters, and that the inners cannot ignore that, which is true. They didn't pay for it, but it is belter engineering and know-how and expertise. Yep. Um, We get to see the bridge, and it's still pretty Mormony. But they're clearly, like, you know, running cables everywhere and, like, fucking up the aesthetics. And I noticed there's lots of, like, the artwork has been vandalized by OPA sprays and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Ashford goes up to this guy named Greg- Gregory uh, to confer- to say hi, and he ends up choke slamming him through the ground uh, <laughs> before explaining that, hey, I'm just here to apologize, and we're good, and we find out they used to work together. You think they're good? You think they're good now? Uh, I think if this if Gregory knows what's good for him, they'll be good. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's like, and it also shows that Ashford is kind of a guy to be reckoned with. Because I thought if I had, if I had to pick one before, I would have probably picked Gregory in the fight. He's more stout, certainly. Yeah, maybe even got a little size and reach, but uh, mm-hmm. Ashford's wily and wiry mm-hmm. and and scarred. He's just like a piece of beef jerky in a spacesuit, and uh, you don't want to <laughs> fuck with him. Uh. This causes Drummer to pull him aside to talk to him, uh, and they do. This, this is this weird banter where he kind of like facetiously asks about her wound that she sustained in that OPA attack, and mm-hmm. he says that that was an unauthorized Black Sky operation that neither him or Dawes had any knowledge with, uh, or anything to do with, which Drummer doesn't really believe. Yeah, I don't know if I believe that. I don't either. Like, how close is Anderson to Black Sky? And also, why is Anderson continuing to be like? I understand him jockeying for position, but some of this stuff, like, you know, putting the kid as a lieutenant, like, some of this stuff feels like a deliberate provocation. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, that I, that's that's entirely within Dawes' character. Uh, and I guess Johnson, I mean, he's going to fuck over. Somebody, somebody's going to fuck over somebody here. It's got to <laughs> happen. Um, then they have this kind of like weird dueling argument where they both acknowledge that they think that each that that they both think they should be captain and that's an inherently unstable thing. Um, and neither Dawson or Dawes nor John da, yeah Dawson let's let's go with Dawes like Johnson and Dawes are are, are yeah, Dawson they're Dawson from now on uh, Dawson neither one of them really care about Drummer and Ashford's working comfort, um, but they're going to agree to work together for the good of the Belter State. Yeah, so, so uh, Ashford is her number two at this point, right? Yeah, second okay. command. Uh, it does seem like he has more experience, mm-hmm. maybe more political savvy. Yeah. But I think... And, and, and there's this political argument that they have over why she's captain. You know, right. it, it very much seems like this is some kind of maneuver uh, on Dawson's part. Well, I mean, I think from Fred's from Fred Johnson's perspective, like... He's the one, like, like, yes, you have this protomolecule scientist, but I have the protomolecule and I have the behemoth. There's no fucking way I'm going to put your pirate in charge of the ship. 
Like, if second command's best I can do, it's a Pawn Stars type of operation. And, yeah. Daw, like, I think that some of the reason Dawes is trying to destabilize this is probably, if I'm, if I'm reading the tea leaves, is to come up with some kind of bullshit excuse to, like, take command in, in the future. Like, citing Drummond's hot-headedness, or Drummer's hot-headedness, and, like, inexperience, and, you know, I'm sure she'll commit various political snafus. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Uh... What else we want to talk about? Oh, at this point, we get an alarm klaxon goes off. We find that a construction skiff has gone into a hard spin and is on a collision course with Behemoth. But no problem, because Naomi managed to hack into the controls remotely and bring it in for a smooth dock. But we find out the guy's already dead because of the high-G maneuvers. Uh, and he's also the guy who was getting high on pixie dust. Yeah. Is, dun, it, the, dun, dun. is it the high-G or is it the pixie dust that did him in? Probably a little bit of column A, a little bit of column yeah. B. Yeah, Pixie uh, Dust led to a slip up to put him in a spin and kill that, him. That then that then killed him because he yeah. wasn't, you know, he's you, you can't get high when you're out there in the black, man. You no, can't. and that's that's the point that Naomi makes. You know, these these drugs are causing problems. Um, we then are introduced to the MCRN Zusen. Uh, Zusen is one of the pioneers of China's space and rocketry program who passed away in 2009 at the age of 97. Jesus. What's interesting about him is he immigrated to America, graduated from MIT, and worked in America's space program until the 1950s when he was drummed out on trumped-up charges of communist sympathy. Yeah. Jailed for five years, and then exchanged for uh, Korean POWs, where he then became the grandfather of China's rockety program, <laughs> led them to invent nuclear weapons, and they had the fastest turnaround from fission to fusion ever, and made China into a nuclear superpower and increasingly a space superpower. This is why witch hunts are bad. <laughs> and what I'm saying is, like, this is also so great for this show because it's like, sure, yeah, s- bullshit, stupid political games can blow up in your fucking <laughs> face and turn friends into enemies, yeah. and then give those enemies a massive leg up that you wouldn't want them to have. So, like, pretty, pretty delicious naming there. Uh, but the reason we're interested in the Zeusin is because Bobby's aboard. This yeah. is her new post, and, and she, she's got to be. In the in this area, yes. she's real close because it's real time communication. Real time communication. With Alex. Yep. So she might be at the ring herself. The, 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 the thing says it's approaching the ring. Oh, okay. Uh, cool. So yeah, and uh, we learn a lot of stuff. Some stuff I'm happy about. Some stuff I'm not happy about. Uh, she reveals that she's been reinstated as a marine, which kind of bums me out because I was really hoping she'd be another black sheep member of the Rasanati. Yeah. Um, we also find out that she dropped in on Alex's family. I'm a little confused because, on the one hand, she said she hasn't been back to Mars since way back when, like implying like since like season two, essentially. But she also checked in on Alex's family. So, and that that could, that could be less than 187 days ago. So, I'm mm-hmm. not sure if that meant she just used like her official channels to like drop them a line. But fuck, Alex can do that, <laughs> right? So, yeah. I don't get it. Um, I don't fully understand that interaction. Alex also reveals that his wife has filed for divorce, um, and he says he feels relieved about it. Uh, And then she says... He's he's got one family now. (laughs) Right. And she says that despite what her fellow Martians believe about the Rasanati, she she thinks that he's earned his seat and he's a top-notch pilot. Um, And then it's revealed that there's a film crew filming this whole thing. So I don't know what the hell that means. 
What did you make of this interaction? Because I felt like the the I felt like the show was low key shipping Bobby and Alex two episodes ago, mm-hmm. and this interaction was I felt calculated to just keep walking that line. Yeah, I can see that because Bobby was a little bit more in interested in Alex and his thoughts about the divorce and like Alex seemed like he was disappointed when she had to go and they've maintained this relationship which you mm-hmm. know it makes an a, a entire it makes perfect sense because they're both Martians um and more importantly Bobby was like smiling and laughing and yeah it, it's a side of Bobby that we don't often see right uh I don't know if that says hey they're interested in each other romantically or if that's just a friendship thing. that's the thing like it's like because it's not like they're saying baby or sweet or anything like yeah. that and but you know now alex as like it's pointed that, that alex is now divorced and he's potentially going yeah. to be free to pursue a relationship and there is this kind so of like maybe. cutesy thing between them uh yeah. tell me when she comes back to the rasanati right now <laughs> here's the thing i want to hear this mildly interesting shit when does bobby come no, back no mildly God interesting i legitimately it. don't know because uh, well, you're about you're about you're about to spoil by omission. We are we are <laughs> beyond the Bobby stuff that I'm aware of now. Interesting, yeah, interesting. All right, uh, so this you, is one of the most interesting plots to me. What do you think about the film? Good, so you can speculate. What do you think yeah. about the film crew filming? To me, maybe this is going to get her into some political hot water because she's expressing sympathy for this Martian traitor. She does, yeah, say don't tell the crew or whatever. But uh-huh. I think you're awesome, uh, right? Yeah, I. They clearly are going to have an agenda when it comes to each person on this ship. Yeah. In in portraying who they are. And maybe the ship as a whole. Yes. Uh, Like I said, I'm really curious to see where they land on that. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. Um, That was an interesting scene. Uh, We then go back to the behemoth, and Naomi is confessing to Drummer that she knew about the drug problem before it became a problem. And she thinks it's a lapse in her judgment, but Drummer doesn't agree because, you know, belters are free to do whatever the hell belters want to do up until that freedom fucks with her agenda. And then you got to you got to you got to de- you got to deal with the problem. And she goes ask who the dealer is and she goes stomping off uh, with a head of steam. And Ashford observes that and sends Diogo after her to kind of tail her. Um, this is going to set up a, a whole bunch of command crisis here in a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, back on board the Prince, Anna is talking. Um, uh, she's not talking. She's getting a message because obviously the delay is out in uh, Uranus. Must be immense. Must be several hours uh, yeah. of lag. Um, but her wife confirms that Avasarala is funding her clinic to the hilt, uh, which makes her happy. But she's also feeling very low since Anna... Uh, Anna's been gone for so long, and she's so far away, and she's afraid, and she misses her. And oh, that's a pretty good scene. It does. It seems to deliver a blow to Anna. Yeah, she's going to an inherently dangerous place. Yeah, the unknown. And this is something she's supposed to be just away for a few weeks for a speech, and that's turned yeah. into this thing. Like, I can totally see her wife's objection uh, mm-hmm. to like, yeah, it's great that her clinic's founded, but like, I'd rather have my wife back, and so would our daughter. Yeah. Um. We then, in the background, see a fleet service team being dispatched from the Prince on a repair skiff. Uh, we're introduced to Melba, who is a female technician that is a is a very new. She's a rookie to the job. Uh, the other crew kind of teases her about, you know, clocking in before the shower, the appropriate ways to bilk the clock for time. 
Um, there's some discussion about Holden's documentary, um, and she gives her opinion that she thinks Holden's a narcissistic asshole. Clock in four minutes after your scheduled time and clock out four right. minutes before. That's right. what I know. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, what? Because I, I, I used to make, because um, in not not stealing from, from work, <laughs> but when I used, was a Jehovah's FedEx. Witness. No, no, no. When I was a oh. Jehovah's Witness, I used to joke about, like, the way you counted your time in field service. Yeah, yeah. And it pissed because, like, there's, like, a particular woman who was, like, a real stickler for that shit. Like, she would, like, clock out for, like, when you took a, like, a ga- like a gas break or bathroom break. And I would, like, always tease her, like, I don't know, as soon as the alarm goes off. <laughs> and she's like, that's, that's stealing from Jehovah. And I'm like, well, whose time am I on? I'm not waking up for me. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> when the alarm goes off, my eyes open. I'm on the clock, you know. Yeah. It's always funny to, to, to fuck with people who've got sticks up their asses. Uh, so yeah, this is going to be significant here in a bit. Uh, they dock with the UNN uh, Sung Yoon, which, as far as I can tell, is a Korean actress. So I'm gonna that's <laughs> okay. like the that's like the Agatha King. I'm gonna say that's a person that's important in the future. Which I I really enjoy that at about the Expanse. Like you get some Hammurabi's, you get some you know yeah, ancient rocket back. T- Huh? It I'm is back, back at the end of this episode. episode yeah. You get a mix of like actual real historical characters like Prince, and then you've got these like people who who the hell knows they are. But like that makes sense mm-hmm. because like imagine in the nineteen hundreds reading speculative fiction about a carrier named the Ronald Reagan. You're like, who the fuck is the Ronald Reagan? Yeah. You know? Well, it's uh, it hasn't happened yet. It's in our shared future. Uh, so they dock with this ship, uh, and it's described as a fleet support ship, so I don't know what the hell it's actually doing, but they're doing some kind of servicing to the mechanicals of the ship, and it doesn't really matter because the whole point is uh, she's new at her job, she's very apprehensive, and she's attaching a bomb to the inside of this ship. Now, it almost implied like the bomb was already there and she was maintaining it. Yeah, it was kind of a weird. It's a, it's a weird cut. Like it's yeah. almost like she it was already attached and she detached it and maybe refueled or something. I don't know. But there's a bomb that she was associated with maintaining or planting on this UNN ship, mm-hmm. and she's also sweating bullets like literally, like just sweat pouring off her because she's nervous and she's looking shady as shit while she's doing it. Oh yeah, uh, back on the Ross- and she almost fucks everything up too. Like she's so new at this. Yeah, she almost puts this thing in backwards and yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, there's so much tension about her being discovered throughout this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, what's kind of... It's weird. is like fake tension because I don't really care about her, nor do I care about her crew chief. But it's like... It's a trick of the show <laughs> where it's like they play the ominous music and she's sweating bullets and, oh my God, she's going to be discovered. What does that mean? And yeah. then I'm like, why do I care or know at this point? Mm. Just settle down. Uh, so back on the Rasanati, the camera guy who... Appears to be blind, but has surgically implanted sensors in his hands. Yeah, what's with the the hands and the, like, is he seeing through the cameras? Is he seeing through his fingers? It seems like a little bit of both. Like, he can control the drone with his hands, but he can Uh also, like, he was using his hands to tell what plant that Alex was fucking with in the galley of the ship. Yeah, how does he see even, you know? Does he see as we see, or does he get, like, some other sensory inputs? We need to see some Jordy uh, Jordy LaForge cam. We need to see like what this all looks like. Yeah, I forget what it is. What did his look like? Just it, all sorts of crazy. Like, sometimes it's IR. Yeah. Sometimes it was like you know, it's yeah. just whatever. Whatever the technology at the time would easily allow them to do in syndication <laughs> or a big budget motion picture. Right. 
and whether he's wearing the visor or his fucking weird cortical implants. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, uh, that's how he sees the world. That's how this guy do. And he tries to... uh, They talk about Prax, and there's a sweet scene where Amos says he was good company and his best friend in the whole world. But he left to help rebuild the Ganymede station, and Amos is not the rebuilding type. But there's also a line in there about Prax didn't ask him to come with, but... Amos took it like he didn't ask because he knew Amos would turn him down. Mm. I don't know if I believe that. What's your What's your take on the situation? What's I, your read I don't on the relationship? Remember that line. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because because the can't, this guy's trying to start shit too. So he's, right. he asks about Prax and then like, well, if you're such good buddies, why didn't you go with him to Ganymede? Um, and then he tries to seduce Amos, and uh-huh. Amos uh, <laughs> just rebuffs him the same way he did the attractive uh, reporter, saying that he doesn't shit where he eats. Yeah, this camera crew is relentless. Yeah, man. This documentary crew. I did not know, like, the documentary crews were were just so easy. Yeah, know? they're like, you know, uh, I they're, they're full-time documentarians, part-time sex workers. Yeah. Like, you know, will trade access for sex. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't know. They're... So there's nothing in here, and they they do they have been I've noticed this season playing with um, Amos's definition of like masculinity and sexuality because we found out he wears pumps on occasion. Oh right, yeah. Uh, you know he grew up in a whorehouse. It sounds like, and he like again he doesn't like say he's not gay or bisexual. He just says mm. he doesn't shit where he eats. But you also know that he would have yeah. fucked Naomi if she'd asked. Would have, yeah. So like. Um, but he might have also fucked Holden if he asked. That's know? what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> like, I think Amos, the idea of Amos is like some kind of pansexual badass is kind of intriguing. Uh-huh. Uh, I dig it. Uh, but yeah, he doesn't get anywhere with this guy. Um, I think this whole scene is just to show what happened to Prax. Yep. Uh, the crew chief goes back to check on Malba's work uh, and make some minor corrections to her. Uh, like she, she's putting in some shit backwards and, and all that stuff. And like he keeps coming. And, it, and if, if, if this had powered up, then we'd have to go to this panel that's got the bomb behind it. And, right. And she's like, and, and pulling out her collar. And it's pretty hilarious. It is. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit cheesy. Yeah. Uh Drummer is kicking so so we see Drummer preceding this procession of like this military police guy kicking the drug dealer's supplier throughout the corridors of the ship and into the nearest airlock. A, uh, Naomi goes to confront her and saying you can't do this. Uh, Ashford then shows up and agrees with her. Um, he doesn't deny that he's spaced a belter or three in his lifetime, but says now's the time we got to grow up and start acting like people who obey the rule of a law. Uh, yeah, now now is their moment. Yeah, I he's right about that. I yeah, I agree. I'm actually kind of shocked that drummer is this one note. Like Yeah. Um but on the other hand, uh why can't the belters be taken seriously? Like why are they not allowed to have their own justice system? I guess. Because the belt is not earth. Sure. Like if you fuck up on your job at earth, um you know, something goes wrong sure but like hundreds and thousands of people probably won't die whereas if you fuck up out on the belt like it's just a i feel like any environment that's more hostile is going to have slightly looser regulations like look at mars you got kids going out with a spacesuit unsupervised Mm -hmm. that's horrifically dangerous but it's mars sure i i think the the key thing here that i'm picking up is that fred is kind of influencing this and that 
we've seen Fred's goal all along is to be taken seriously by the other powers in but, the system, right? So that's the, I guess what surprised me is Ashford seems to be carrying Fred Johnson's water. Yeah. And uh, Drummer seems to be carrying Anderson Dawes, like, not giving a fuck and, yeah. and spacing people and being belters. Uh, mm-hmm. What's up with that? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure where Drummer's coming from exactly, other than to say she is still probably fairly angry at johnson mm. so maybe this is acting out to like doing something like hey you put me in commands so i'm gonna do something i know you wouldn't approve of to could be or maybe it's not even that conscious it's just like this is how she would dispense justice no but I, the thing i really like about this whole scenario here um what they've set up in this this episode with the opa mm-hmm. trying to be taken seriously is just the the, the perception of it you all you don't often deal in TV shows with like larger perceptions of factions, right? Yeah. You, you deal with like personal politics and how how is Frank Underwood going to get out of this right, thing? Right, but like right, right. the perception of a faction of the solar system is really interesting because right. you know they they have long long been not taken seriously at all mm-hmm. um, and and walked all over. And Fred Johnson is trying to change that, and he has to change both. The outside perception and also the way that the Belters and the OPA view themselves. Right. And that is not an easy thing to do. Right. And I right. feel like with with the Nauvoo and Ashford, he's trying to do something that is bigger than just this moment. Yeah, and there's, there's a lot of echoes in real-life politics. Like, this is very analogous to, like, the Palestinian Authority versus Hamas. You know, you've got, like, mm-hmm. the legitimate government. They're in a tough spot, but you also have this, like terrorist wing that's trying to like reform their ways but maybe are there and they're still like and then you've got the uh it's 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 fucked up and it's really hard to like if if you start to peel back the layers of blame and provocation and violence and you can go back like literally a hundred years right and it's interesting to see kind of like you know this is very analogous as that this situation as well um because you're right it's not just about changing how earth and mars see the belt it's changing like you said how belters see themselves and how they conduct themselves yeah um and whether that's something they even want to do because it's not something you can really force top down you can lead and inspire and that's about it right and i think that's what he's trying to do here you know he's not he's not saying we're going to airlock anybody who has contraband because we don't do contraband anymore uh he's saying Look, give it up because we're trying to make a statement here right. to the rest of the system. So that's the thing. Like, Drummer starts off after she's she's talked to. Uh, she says, all right, we're going to leave this airlock open for one shift. Any contraband in there, fine. But anything after, and he cuts her off and says, <laughs> we're going to court-martial you, send you back to series, and imprison you on a prison barge. Yeah. Uh, I would not have guessed at the start of this episode, by, by the end of it, I'd think, you know what? I think Ashford would be the better commander. But he I might really very do. Well be. I think he would be a much better first, and her the be- much better second. She's used to that role. Yeah, she's very used to that role. I think Seriously. command is new for her. Um, on the other hand, I think it would be more interesting for drummer for her to stretch and grow and learn and like to earn Absolutely. the respect of this guy. And, and I think that Ashford can be a good guide for her into yeah. that role. No, I mean his political instincts are so much better than 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 drummers. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but I like drummer. I'm 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 worried for her future because it seems like. She could really easily be caught up in these uh, political machinations and be the odd woman out. Um, so now we got the slingshot pilot who somehow has a half year 
half half years worth of beard growth, but still has perfectly cut hair and a fresh dye job. Uh, his girlfriend tight beams him and says if he pulls off this crazy stunt that she'll be waiting for him when she gets back. And then she, it's implied that she flashes her titties on him, which gets a pretty big reaction from him. He's excited. Let's say an equal and opposite reaction. Equal opposite reaction. That's right. <laughs> right. The ship slows down imperceptibly from the explosive <laughs> erection that he just got. Yeah. 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 That's exactly I, what happened. I was wondering, like, as he's sliding around in this ship, is that going to change his trajectory at all? But I guess not. Yeah. It wouldn't. Uh, I'm also wondering, because we, we get the censored version of all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I was wondering, like, they're surely not going to get away with, like, I don't think they're going to show. I mean, you can you can get away with with, with like I think TV fourteen you can get away with some like Titanic style titties maybe like if they're tastefully and artistically done if they're drawn like some French girl yeah but I don't know uh, I'm pretty excited about a potential TAMA version of the Expanse or TVMA oh right? yeah, I said yeah. TA <laughs> TNA uh, uh, going going to a company like Amazon, mm-hmm. you could you don't have to have the censored versions. You can just give it the full meal deal. On the other hand, uh, I'm about this close to letting Jack watch this whole fucking series, and uh-huh. that would probably push that plan back a couple years <laughs> if they went full TVMA. Yeah. Uh, so Ashford then uh, kind of ta- saddles up to Naomi and... Uh, or no, actually he saddles up to Drummer and says, hey, this is a small step, but it's a step forward because they're looking at like all of this contraband getting piled into the airlock. Yeah. Uh, but Drummer petulantly says, this is just not who we are and kind of storms off. Uh, so then Ashford asks Naomi who we should be. And he says that she was a radical who was betrayed, who hit out with the inners and is a hero and ask why she are she's here and she says it's it's time for the developers to stand up and he goes well you should explain that to drummer mm-hmm. uh can naomi do that without making drummer feel even more isolated that's what i worry about yeah it's going to be a tough line to walk because they are for but, lack of a better term friends and the but... whole first half of this episode i've got your back mm-hmm. you better i'm your captain and this guy who has just undercut her authority justifiably Naomi's going to take up for him. She's got to be very tactful about it. Very, very. Um, I, I'm, I'm. It's, it, it's a tall because the other thing is like Drummer's not the easiest person to placate. Mm-hmm. Like I think she's kind of bristly and hostile and didn't even want his job in the first place. So she's like perpetually cranky about it. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Naomi can can walk that tightrope. Uh, and also like. I don't know. Maybe Ashford should he should do the lion's share of this like convincing work and leave Naomi out of it, mm-hmm. or let her be the honest broker because like I don't think he's particularly even trying to. I mean, like I said, he just like talked right over her in front of all those other belters. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see where Naomi's loyalties lie. Um, you know, how on board is she with the? general feelings of the OPA um, as led by Dawson mm-hmm. um, and how much is she going to be a belter mm. you know I think I think there's going to be a tension there between like she's kind of caught in the middle you know between mm. Ashford and Drummer mm-hmm. and I think that's going to be a struggle for her uh what I think is going to happen is Drummer's going to throw in an airlock and a space suit spacer and then she'll get back on Rossinati <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah, and then and then then they'll get out that Bobby Bobby is stumping for this Martian renegade 
and her crew is going to throw her in a spacesuit, space her, and then the gang will be back together. <laughs> Avrasarla gets Obviously, spaced yep, off of her. Yep, she mouths off to the wrong diplomat. She gets spaced. And prax, her, yeah, prax, Prax is going to get spaced off the moon. <laughs> I don't even know how that works. going to be going to be loaded into a magnetic uh, what what do they call it like a like a railgun launch system and yeah. launched off the moon? Yeah, like a like a magnetic coaster into a stable Uranus orbit, and mm-hmm. he'll get picked up, and then Bob's your uncle. The gang's back together. Uh, a mass driver. They just put him in a mass go. driver. Just yeah, put him in a mass. He's 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 a mass. Put him. <laughs> you know, I was thinking. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't see any of this coming. The crew being completely torn yeah. apart. Yeah, but I did have a lot of reservations about what it's going to be like having may aboard the ship this whole time mm, yeah now, that would be weird i guess may is not infected with a protomolecule because that would have come up if she was like yeah within six months i think she probably would be dead right or she would at least be like prax would be saying like yeah may's glowing like a blue light bulb or something yeah. um but yeah like i i was con- kind of concerned about what it would do to the tone of the show to have a nine-year-old girl on board the rasanati mm-hmm. and i wasn't like digging it yeah, they didn't go that way. Maybe just won't see Prax again. That'd be kind of sad. Maybe not. Uh, so the crew is cleaning out of the Sung Un when the chief remembers that he forgot his flask because he's the kind of kind of crew chief that likes taking nips on the job. Scotty. My kind of yeah. crew chief. Uh, he sees that Malba has left behind a, a tool. Then he sees some evidence that a hatch was tampered with. Uh, what a noob. You don't clean up your tools and you fuck up and scratch up the bulkhead. Really sloppy work here, Malba. He investigates and finds Malba's jo- bomb, and of course she's hung back to confront him about it and regretfully ask why he had the look. He briefly tries to talk himself out of the situation, says, hey, I've been in fights before. I don't want to have to hurt you. She bites down on what I think is a false tooth that releases some <laughs> kind of crazy-ass adrenaline-jacking stuff that makes her temporarily super strong, and she beats this man down. Smashes his head like a tomato can yeah. against a bulkhead, and it instantly collapses. <laughs> yeah, she does. Uh, it's wild. Yeah, so this this episode has got me thinking about a lot of s- different science fiction. Uh, are you familiar with, like, Larry Niven's uh, Man Kazin Wars or Ringworld? I read the first Ringworld Did book. you really? Yeah. Okay, so you're familiar with the Kazin, which uh-huh. uh, Chris Roberts shamelessly ripped off for the Wing Commander series. But they had, like... The Earth forces, so the Kazin are these large man-tigers, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are badasses. They fucking can kill humans easily. But the humans have developed these things called, these these uh, soldiers called berserkers or something like that, where they can briefly channel all of their body's strength and adrenaline into, like, one massive killing blow, which is so severe that it, like, it just wears their bodies out and they die as soon as, they're like a bee, is this a Wing Commander thing? No, this is a Larry Niven Man Kazin Wars thing. And this was Is this after the first Ringworld book? It's I mean, no, I mean it's all in part of a big universe. Like this all happens okay. in the same universe. Um like all that stuff. Um right. but anyway, it reminded me of that because it, that seems like what's happened here. I did not know this was a thing in the expanse, but like I instantly understood what it is. Uh is she going to survive? Is she going to die? I don't know. Mildly interesting. Did you know about this uh, super st- serum? Yeah, thing? I, I I know all about the storyline. I can't say much. Oh, okay. So is this? Let me ask. Okay, you can't say anything. About I, it. I mean, I because I wonder. Like, is this like? It's not a spoiler to tell you how the mechanism works. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Right. Like, I don't think so. It's not. It's not like a tooth that she bites down on. It's described in the books as her swirling her tongue on the roof of her mouth a couple times. 
Oh, no, so and then like, like a clockwise like a swipe pattern for yourself. Yeah. Like, okay. Essentially, yeah. And uh-huh. then it, it floods her, you know, nervous system, her adrenaline. With juice. Uh, her body with adrenaline. And she, yeah, goes She's berserk. Goes and then super strong. Passes out, as we saw. Right. So it's like not something you can sustain for like very long at all. Oh, no. no. Wow. But she does. She just beats, she beats yeah. this guy down. It's pretty yeah, it, brutal. It looks at, at once like ridiculous and silly, but it also looks awesome, yeah, too, no. because... It, it looks like no one could ever actually pick this guy up the way she's picking him up, uh-huh. like arms outstretched. I, I mean, it would break her back to try and right. do this, but also it makes it look really, really badass. Well, I think, it, but it's also interesting because you hear all the time about like moms lifting cars off their kids yeah. when, and you also like I've read a lot that like we have a lot more spare muscle power that the body subconsciously governs because you can you like we're capable of ripping tendons off our bones in a maximum effort lift right um but our bodies keep us from doing that but if you could unlock like that spare capacity and flood your body with adrenaline that you could do like some crazy incredible feats of strength so i kind of like took it like that it's more like the mechanics of it like when she picks him up oh she couldn't just... actually get the leverage to do it from that direction right. and the guy, and, like, the way, and I, I noticed when she lifts but... him by his belt like he should kind of like if he, she's really yanking him like that, she, he should like bend in half, but yeah. he's stiff as a board. Because and... he's got a couple of wires attached to him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which makes it look ridiculous, but also badass. It is kind of badass. I thought they did. I thought they uh, they did really good zero G work this episode. Like from mm. Naomi floating through the corridors and then attaching her magnetic boots to, and like I, they they're getting better and better as they go along with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, she's dead. He's dead, I think, and she's unconscious. Um, I'm wondering when the bomb will go off. Uh, we then see Holden is interviewed by the reporter, and she tries one more time to uh, get him all spun up. She says, "I think you're all liars. No one is honest about why you're here, who you are, what you want." And Holden kind of briefly considers and says, eh, "I'm going to go take a shower and go to sleep." Yeah. Uh, the camera guy. <laughs> the camera guy hangs back. And says he's going to check the probe because they're in limited supply, especially since Amos is breaking them. And then he does some shady shit with the ship's computers, specifically the maintenance system. What the fuck? Hmm. Oh, is he a Black Skies saboteur? I don't. I mean, here's the thing: is like, since all the factions are working together, I'm not sure who would be, like, who would be trying to sabotage things here. I don't know. Because um, like the belt is getting what they want, and equal sit at the a big the adult table. The Earth and Mars have just averted like a catastrophic war. Like, what is the faction that wants to fuck all this up at this point? It's a good question. And I don't know who Malba like is Malba a belter? Is she from Earth? Is she like I don't I don't know any of those questions. I guess if I knew her affiliation, I might 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 be able to piece together what's going on here, but. Uh, at this moment, the slingshot racer enters restricted space around a ring installation and is confronted by our old friend at the MCRN, Hammurabi. Uh, he verbally buys some time. He's Han Solo's a bunch of technical excuses for why he can't slow down or veer off course until it's mm-hmm. too late for them to stop him. He announces he's about to make history. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> oh my God. I mean, I don't even know how to describe this. As he breaks the plane of the ring surface... Instantly, this opaque kind of Stargate-looking liquid uh, appears out of nowhere and instantly slows him down and just pulps his body. Yeah. Like... It's horrific. His hands and his face just detach. (laughs) 
and long meaty popsicles mm-hmm. and uh yeah has catastrophic effects on his biological integrity uh what the fuck yeah. is going on and then notably it doesn't like move after that it's almost like it's going through super slow mode and the the, the only thing that bothered me is like i feel like if the whole ship decelerated like this it would fuck up the ship structure Mm -hmm. but i also don't know what kind of semi-technological magic it's working with right yeah you know some kind of structural integrity field that it's extending for i I don't know but like that's the one thing that bothered me is like i would think that things would rip off the bulkhead Mm -hmm. the ship would like like the metal would crumple but like the only thing that happens is this soft squishy being gets squished softly yeah um, i'm looking forward to the reveal of more of that but then I, at, at the same time back on board to rasanati holden is cleaning up after his shower and preparing for bed when he hears some whispering behind him he turns around <laughs> and it's fucking miller yes sitting in his bed muttering about time the laws on series and good cops and holden blinks and he's gone i was wondering if they were going to do this well, fuck you, man. What is? What are they doing? Like they're bringing Miller back. The ghost of Miller. Like Miller like this, is back. That's all I know. But so, somehow it's connected to the opening of this weird portal too. Mm. I mean, it has to be mildly like, interesting, unless it's just a coincidence that it snaps into being at the same time that. Uh, and I'm I'm going to guess that Miller disappears at the exact same time that that subspace phenomenon disappears from the ring, or maybe it's going to be permanent. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen next week on so. I'm excited to have my favorite character back on yeah. the show. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm less less excited. He's not my favorite character, but he's fine. I like Thomas Jane. He, I, wore, he, he won me over his hair. Two. I got to see his hair before I know how excited I am. <laughs> if, it's, if it's as greasy and uh, unkempt as humanly possible, I will be happy. Okay. The greasier, the better. You don't want him to opinion. take a shower. You don't Fuck want him to no. take a space shower. No, I want him to be Dirty Miller. <laughs> Uh, you know, the proto molecule apparently that hairstyle works for it because it hasn't changed that much. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm I'm wondering. Like, obviously, I think this is connected to the ring and what's going on there. Um. I don't think, I don't think Holden is losing his mind. Although I guess that's a possibility. I think there is some kind of space space sci fi fuckery about. Mm. And that's the episode. And that's all I got to say about it. Do you know what the Belters uh hold dearest of all? Their, their pants. They're, they're, I thought you were going to get it there for a minute. No. They're in the pin dance. Oh, they're in the pants. They're in the pin dance. They're uh-huh. independence. And and bald move like the Belters values our independence. The reason we're able to you know be independent and do shows like uh, podcasts on some of these smaller shows we're passionate about, like the Expanse, is because we're entirely listener supported um, by our club. If you like what we do, you don't have to pay for it. You can enjoy all the stuff that we do for free, but we have some bonus stuff for people that want to go to Extra Mile uh, as a reward. We have weekly shows like Lunch with Jim and Aaron. We have video game playthroughs. We have ad-free versions for pa- uh, podcasts. We have VIP sections of the uh, of the forums. And for one more week, for all of May, essentially, we're also running a 25% off of our annual memberships, new annual memberships. You can go to club.ballmove.com. There's a ton of material that you can preview for free to see kind of like what is on offer. Uh, and if you decide to pull the trigger, again, if you use the code WW2018, uh, you can save 25% off of a new membership at club.baldmove.com. How uh, do we get any uh, do we get any feedback from the fans sending to expanse at baldmove.com? We do have do we some any feedback. subspace transmission. Any tight beams? 
Um, we're going to start off with kind of a, a meta thing about the books. Raphael G. Should I plug my ears? No. Okay. No. Um, he says, now that the show is being canceled, can, give, can Jim give some advice on what books to start on if we want to continue reading about it? Do we have to start from the first book, second, etc.? Um, You're going to do a horseshit thing where everybody's like, you got to start at the beginning. No, you no, can't no. Pop- okay. Good. I, I think the, the series follows so closely book one mm-hmm. that you really don't need to read book one. If you want to know every detail um, from the books, I would say start at book two mm-hmm. because there are some some radical departures mm-hmm. in season two and the first half of season three. Are they omissions or additions? Because it seems like... A little sh- of both. Really? Okay. Yeah, the, the additions are Aaron Wright. Aaron Wright has nothing to do with the story in the books, as far as I can tell. He's gone in the first book and, huh. and just a minor player at that. Huh. Um, but yeah, if you if you really want to get like the whole picture that the books are trying to convey, start at book two. If you if you like get the gist of the story mm-hmm. and just want to start at book three, mm-hmm. um, which is where we just picked up in the show, I would say start there. So you, that's the easiest entry point from here. So you're going to get probably halfway through the book three by the end of the season. Because that's the thing. Yeah, it's like I, there's not a clean breaking spot where you can be like, well, if you just wait till the end of the season, then go go on to book four. I would I would assume they're going to like book. Three point five uh-huh. in in this season, but maybe they'll blitz through it and get to, to the end of the hmm. third book. I don't know. It just depends. How much? I mean, uh, how much fat is on the bones? Like, are there like you know of the books of the or books, the show of, of the books? Uh, hmm. Because I guess like so like it's an the interesting Epstein's question. C- I I found it all very interesting. Well, but that I mean there's in, like like the history of the Epstein Drive is interesting, but it really had nothing to do yeah. with the with the show or I even imagine the books. It's something is that something that they also no, pulled they, in from a they short describe story? It, yeah. Uh, no, uh, they describe it in the novels. Oh, okay. Okay, cuz I'm like stuff like that I could see if there's like every, every three chapters there's just like you know, a non sequitur world-building moment that the show could probably right. shortcut. No, one of the things they do is they kind of each chapter is named for the character that is the main focus of that chapter. Yeah, which I kind of like. That's, that's straight very, out the Game very of Thrones. Martin. Yeah, uh, playbook. Yeah. Uh, so I would say, yeah, if if you just really want to pick up where the show is leaving off, start at book three. Yeah, and and maybe even by the end of the season, start at book four. I don't know. Yeah, I'm 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 debating whether I want to read the first two books in the off season. I don't. I know I do not want to get ahead of the show because I do like the format where we can have like one person that is. Reading the books and one person that's not, um, mm-hmm. but I, yeah, I don't, I don't, know. I don't think you'll get much out of book one. I think book two you will get more out of. But will it do? Will it like? Will it potentially spoil? Because like I'm, I'm wondering if I'll get like some minor spoilers or or it's it's just like a deeper appreciation. I think it's just a deeper appreciation. Okay, yeah. well I might do that because I've been. I actually have. Uh, I own the first three books on Kindle. I just didn't get around to reading them. So, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. All right. Fern says, when the proto-molecule hits the Agatha King, Naomi establishes that the prime minister, the PM, works fast. Proto-molecule. Proto-molecule, yes. <laughs> the prime minister works fast. That is spread all over the ship. The Canadian prime minister is leading a coup against the UN. He works awfully fast. He does. Uh, however... So, okay, so the the protomolecule works fast, has spread all over the Agatha King. Uh-huh. However, in the first episode of this season, you yeah, see after I, Holden tell everyone to clean the protomolecule off the Rossi that a small amount is lurking on the ship. I was going to get to that this episode because I meant to talk about that last episode and I skipped over my notes. Like, well, that is, is Chekhov's protomolecule. But 
this is the perfect time to talk about it because he's right. Like, why isn't this thing spreading on the Rossi? I don't know. It's got radiation. Like the the, yeah. the ship's core gives it radi- enough radiation to like the that it would want to spread. I don't. I don't know. I can't explain it why it's dormant either. Yeah, it, it's really sort of boggling my mind that they haven't brought that back up yet. Did that happen in the books? Is there a piece of the protomolecule no. on the book? Okay, not as I recall. Man, that's bizarre, <laughs> right? Because yeah, it's been a long fucking time, and now like that's I I I almost forgot. To, I'm glad he brought it up because I almost forgot to mention again. 187 plus days have elapsed. Y- yeah, yeah. What the hell? I don't know. We'll see if they ever bring it back up. Maybe it's a thread they accidentally dropped. I hope not. That'd be it seems very too big of a thread. Yeah, like why would miss. you show? Like, because I remember if, thinking in the first episode is like you know like roll my eyes a bit that they'd be able to clean it all off and then being kind of like quietly triumphant that they it turns out aha they didn't. But yeah. now now we're getting like far enough in the season. I'm wondering well, what's the significance here? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's no. why Miller showed up. Because you got a you got a personal protomolecule mm. transceiver going on there. Could be. All right, Stephen from Florida says, on other shows you often go into detail about the writers, directors, showrunners, and producers. I've noticed you don't do that as much on this show. Uh, in light of recent events, I think it might be even more valuable to shout them out uh, since they've been doing such a good job. So if you look into what's uh, into who's making these shows and how they're doing, I'm sure others would appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I. I think that's probably worth doing. You, normally, you're the the person who like has director and writer and yeah those kinds of things. I, I am doing that, but like I guess um, the last few or like um, I don't know the last couple weeks. I think a person on the forum has beaten me to it. Oh, okay. Um, so so, I haven't had so to do it's the on research. our forums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just don't shout it out in the podcast. Yeah, as much. Um, like, and I usually like only shout that stuff up when I rec- like if an Alex Grave shows up or like a Michelle McLaren or someone that I like recognize from an other show. Because I, the thing is, I started doing that. I started doing that during Walking Dead because I had a suspicion like that one of the problems in The Walking Dead is that they're cheaping out on the writers and directors. And I feel like I proved that to myself and then I kind of lost interest in doing it. Hmm. Um, okay. Because like um, it's also I'm just really bad at names. So like I have to see like I have to see a director or especially writers named a dozen times before I start making the connection of, Oh, these guys do things that I really enjoy, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so we'll shout them out this week. Um, and maybe we'll continue to do this. I don't know. Cause that might actually get the names of people in everyone's head and they can recognize these, these, uh, artists. So it's directed by Kenneth Fink this week. And this is all according to IMDb. So take it with a grain of salt. Uh-huh. Uh, the writing credits are obviously Ty Frank and Daniel Abraham, who are the creators of the novels and the series. What's that said? Uh, thing is like I felt like that that was a running theme that it was always those guys, and then and then there's a staff writer, this, Holly Lambert, right, right, so who's written a lot of them, I guess. Okay, um, because hmm. like I know that I, that I recognize that name from the first episode. Uh, but yeah. Um, I don't know. Go, go ahead and read, I guess, the next one, because I, I want to look and see if I recognize any directors just off the top of my head. Okay. Um, this is a final email. It's from Mike in Louisville. After hearing the fantastic country song about Mars on your last podcast, I began to think about all the place names on Mars and then got curious about how they're named. In researching, I found this article, a popular science, which reads in part, 
Once scientists obtain the first detailed images of an area on another world, they settle on some themes for the region. These can be official and unofficial. Only features above a certain size get an official designation. For Vikings, smaller objects of interest were were nicknamed after children's book characters, including Mr. Badger, Mr. Toad, and others from The Wind in the Willows. For Pathfinder, rocks were named for cartoon characters like Bullwinkle, Garfield, Snoopy, and others, and so on for later missions. Did they name anything after Berenstein Bears, or were they the Berenstein Bears? And which which <laughs> timeline which are spelling? we in? That's, that's need, a fair question. I need NASA to confirm this for me. Uh, they talk about large craters being named for deceased scientists who contributed to the study of Mars, or writers and others who contribute to Mars lore, hence the name Bradbury Landing for Ray Bradbury. Hmm. Uh, small craters are named for towns and cities with less than 100,000 residents. Uh, it seems like they have a lot of different themes going on here. Wow. And, and they're not really connected at all. Uh, big valleys are named for Mars or the word star in different languages, while small valleys are named for rivers on Earth. Is this real life or is this yeah. the show? Okay. Because no, I imagine life. that now that we've been cruising around Mars for over a decade... Uh, we probably got a lot of that shit, and we, we've mapped out every surface detail. Like, we've got all that shit named. Yeah, that le- that leads right into his follow-up. When Earth was explored and settled, the explorers were often seeing a place for the first time, thus they got the naming rights, so to speak. In the Expanse universe, all of the initial exploration was done remotely, first by telescopes, later by machines sent from Earth. So how pissed would you be if you were the first human to set foot in a place on another planet, but the name was already provided by some idealistic nerd scientist generations ago on Earth? Seems a bit unfair, and I wonder if Martians would make a habit of renaming places when they physically visited them for the first time. I bet. Yeah, I they, mean, they should be able to. Yeah. I mean, on the other hand, it's kind of interesting how many of, like, even though we completely colonized and subjugated this continent and essentially committed genocide against all the original uh, inhabitants, it's amazing how much the names of these these things are their names. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, our state names or river names, mountain names. Like, this stuff is all a lot of First Nations and Native American stuff and much, much. And even we're, start, we're like, reversing that trend. Like, you know, you know, re, call, stop calling uh, calling Mount Denali or Mount McKinley, Mount Denali, or go, going back to calling it Denali. Um so I could see that there would be, like, a wave of, like, Martians, like, you know, fuck the Earther names. We're going to name it after our people. And yeah. then a few hundred years, you know, starting to feel bad about the, you know, that and restoring it. Who knows? It's an interesting cultural question, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think they're feeling bad about it yet. No, like, I mean, like... <laughs> they like, will, like, maybe, I mean, in the future, but... Look, look, you know, fucking France gives us a little bit of guff for the for the Gulf War, and we start calling French fries freedom fries. <laughs> Right. You're not going to you're going to tell me that uh, the Mar- the Martians aren't going to like spitefully rename a couple of things just, f- you know, because they're pissed and, and feeling feeling uh, uh, shitty about the political situation. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. But it does seem like there is a lot of names that they've retained. Like what was the one? Where's Alex from the Mariner Valley? Mariner Valley. Yeah, that's like a classic name. Surely mm-hmm. they wouldn't name Olympus Mons, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. Uh, but I don't know, maybe the little stuff. They get to name their streets, right? Oh, yeah. They're, I wonder Anything they build, they can name. I wonder if it's like Atlanta, where like everything's dust, dust this, dust that. Like, you know, in Atlanta, everything's Peach Boulevard, Peach Tree oh, Street, right. Peach Peach Avenue. Like, it's yeah. du- dust, Dusty Lane, Dusty Street, Dusty Avenue, <laughs> Dusty Boulevard, Dusty Parkway, yep. uh, Dusty Drive. 
I don't know. What else would you call it? Uh, I don't know. But that's it. That's all I got. All right. Uh, thanks for all that feedback. Uh, we appreciate the support. And you can send us more to expanse at baldmove.com. Or don't forget, on our forums, each week we have a thread for the show at uh, forums.baldmove.com. Uh, can't wait for next episode called It Reaches Out. Ooh, that's an exciting title. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see what happens then. Until then, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. Later. Later.